text for this morning's sermon is Matthew 11, the verses 28 to 30. The Lord Jesus is speaking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you feel weary or burdened? Are you weighed down by life's circumstances? There are times in our lives when each of us will experience such struggles. At times dealing with ongoing sickness wears us down. Not feeling well can be a real drag on life. It can suck the joy right out of it. Struggles in our relationships can cause us negativity. They can make it difficult to go forward in life with a positive attitude. Financial hardships can cause much stress. They create anxiety and worry. Debt can really weigh us down. Struggles with particular sins in our lives can cause struggles in our faith. These things, too, often burden us. The effects of COVID-19 and government lockdowns have added to our struggles. God created us as communal beings. Worshiping together in person has been a normal part of most of our lives for as long as we have lived. Not being able to worship together as the body of Christ has had a profound effect on many of our lives. It's not the same listening to a sermon via the live feed or trying to sing praises at home. We've missed out on seeing children baptized and partaking in the Lord's Supper. Not being able to rejoice with those who rejoice at graduations, professions of faith, weddings and anniversaries has robbed us of the opportunity to celebrate important milestones in life. Not being able to gather to grieve with those who grieve at the funerals of loved ones is simply wrong. Our young people have been restricted from hanging out together We've missed playing volleyball and basketball and hockey and participating in other forms of school athletics. Some of the youngest members of our congregation make strange when they see someone outside of their immediate family because they're not used to interacting with anyone else. The communal effects of lockdowns are profound, even though we don't fully understand them all yet. They are burdensome. People in society talk about COVID fatigue. Beloved, there's times when we suffer deep soul weariness. Sometimes we can point to the different factors that contribute to it, but other times we cannot. At times our weariness results from a variety of factors that have built up over time. It can involve an intersection of life's complexities of, bro- of bodily frailties, of emotional heartbreaks, and of the consequences of sin. The bottom line is there's times when we are weary and burdened, and we feel like we just can't take it anymore. Sometimes like this, that Jesus' words come to us. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
These words from our text are well known. But what do they mean? Jesus issues a call for us to come to him. He promises to relieve our burden, to lighten our load. He promises rest for our burdened souls. I preach to you God's word by issuing Christ's call under the following theme. Come to me all who are weary, and I will give you rest. We'll consider Christ's call, Christ's yoke, and Christ's rest. To understand Christ's call, come to me. We need to understand to whom it is addressed. Who is Christ speaking to? He's speaking to all who are weary and burdened. Who are those people in Christ's day? Well, outwardly, the Jews would immediately have thought about some of the specific people who often rallied around the Lord Jesus. They would have said that Jesus' invitation was specifically for the sick, for the blind, the lame, the lepers, and the deaf. For Christ healed such people of their diseases. He gave them a new lease on life. Many of the Jews thought that Jesus' invitation was not for them. They didn't see themselves as weary or burdened. They didn't recognize their need. They thought they were doing quite all right in life. We today can think similar thoughts. From our perspective, not all people need help. My life is going well. I'm healthy. I'm smart. I'm strong. I'm doing okay financially. I'm actually enjoying my life. Help? I don't need any. But the Lord Jesus had a different perspective on God's covenant people. Matthew 11 takes place about halfway through Jesus' public ministry. He'd been preaching and teaching for about a year and a half. He'd been in contact with large crowds of people wherever he went. Jesus had a unique understanding of human nature. He understood people's needs, their vulnerabilities, their cares and concerns. He understood that many faced deep soul weariness. At the end of Matthew 9, we get some insight into Jesus' perspective on God's people Israel. Matthew writes about how Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. He says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What was Jesus thinking when he made that pronouncement? Well, there's two parts to Jesus' statement. The first is that God's people were harassed and helpless. They were suffering deeply. And the second part explains why. When Jesus says that they were sheep without a shepherd, he's explaining the utter failure of Israel's leaders to care for God's people. A shepherd is supposed to lead the flock to pastures of green grass and to provide water for them to drink. He's supposed to protect them from the attacks of ferocious animals that like to prey on the flock. Israel's leaders, the chief priests, the elders, and teachers of the law had failed miserably in their God-given task of leading and caring for his people. They claimed authority as teachers and interpreters of the law of Moses. 
They demanded that all Israel submit to them and to their teaching. Israel's leaders taught that the way to God was through external obedience to the law of Moses. They had codified the Mosaic law into 365 prohibitions and 248 commandments. God's holy commandments meant for our good were transformed into a rule book of 613 commands that you must live by in order to be accepted by God. The fundamental problem with the leadership of the Pharisees and teachers of the law was that they thought man could come to God through his own good works. They did not recognize the inherent sinfulness of mankind. Their perspective on life is reflected in the account of a certain ruler who came to Jesus asking, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response is startling. He begins by asking, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Jesus is not denying his own goodness. He was utterly sinless. But with these words, he challenges the notion that other human beings can be inherently good. We're all sinful people. Jesus knew how this man thought. According to the teaching of the religious leaders, he was outwardly living according to the commandments of God. And so Jesus strings him along. Jesus plays into his way of thinking by pointing out the need to live according to all God's commandments. The man happily replies, All these things I have kept since I was a boy. It's likely true that this man's outward religiosity was great. But Jesus penetrates through that to get at this man's heart. Did he really love God? Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The ruler couldn't do it because he was wealthy. He found his life and his security in money rather than in God. You see, beloved, the Jewish leaders had led God's people astray by teaching that man could earn his own righteousness. They taught that outward conformity to God's law was what was what earned you your way into heaven. There's two possible responses to that kind of teaching. Some will try hard to live righteous lives so that they would be accepted by God. Their tendency would be to minimize their sins by comparing their lives with others. In their pride, they would exalt themselves and they would look down on others. Such people would develop an attitude of self-sufficiency. I'm living according to the law. I deserve to have God accept me because I'm a good person. But others would experience the laws and regulations imposed on them as a great burden. The Pharisees and teachers of the law did not just require obedience to God's laws. They added all kinds of human dictates which made normal life almost impossible. And so they placed a heavy burden on God's people. No matter how hard they tried, they couldn't live up to the standard imposed on them. Because they couldn't keep all the laws and regulations, they began to doubt their standing before the Lord. 
No wonder they were harassed and helpless. No wonder they felt weary and burdened. The requirements that the Jewish leaders imposed on them crushed their souls. Jesus approaches all God's people with an invitation, a call. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The simplicity of Jesus' invitation is so refreshing. Jesus doesn't offer a, fold, a fourfold path of enlightenment like Buddha did. He doesn't give five pillars of peace through submission as Islam does. He doesn't detail a 10-step plan to relieve your weariness like many self-help 21st century Westerners are drawn to. Jesus simply says, Come to me. What does Jesus mean when he issues this call? Well, the verses preceding our text make Jesus' call clear. There Jesus denounced the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed. Jesus had demonstrated clearly he was the Messiah sent from God. He made it apparent that he was God's son sent into this world to redeem his people. Yet those who saw his miraculous works, who heard his authoritative teaching, refused to believe in him. It shows that when Jesus called the people to come to him, he was calling them to believe in who he claimed to be and in what he was able to do for them. The call come to me was an invitation to become disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus. It was a call to believe in what he promised, to share in the redemption he was obtaining for them. In our text, Jesus is making a very bold claim. Viewed from the outside, people would say that Jesus was a megalomaniac. He was claiming to be able to give rest to weary and burdened souls. No human being can relieve our deepest suffering or take away the deep soul weariness that we experience in this sin-stained world. The only way Jesus could do that was if he truly was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Jesus' call went out to all the people of his day, both to those who felt weary and burdened and to those who didn't see their need for a savior. The same applies today. There are many in our society who don't see a need for a savior. They feel like they're quite okay in life. Many in our society live prosperous lives. They've been misled into believing that they're basically good people. And beloved, even though we know that this is a wrong perspective, we also can fall into this trap. I'm a Christian. I go to church whenever I can. I'm living a decent life. God will accept me for who I am. There are times in life when each of us experiences the brokenness of this life. We experience sickness and relationship difficulties and financial hardships. We experience trauma, anxiety, depression, and the like. Life is complex. And when we get hit with a succession of hardships and struggles, it can bring on a deep soul weariness. 
Jesus' call for every human being, irrespective of race, social status, wealth, intellect, or strength, is the same. Come to me. Believe in who I claim to be and in what I'm able to do for you. When Jesus says, come to me, he is calling us to cast our anxieties on him, for he cares for us. He says, trust in me with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And I will give you rest. After issuing a universal call, Jesus continues to draw his people close to him. We see this in our second point where we consider Jesus' yoke. Our text continues with Jesus saying, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To understand this teaching, we need to know what a yoke is. A yoke is an instrument that was used by farmers in Israel. It's a bar, a frame of wood by which two oxen are joined together, the head or neck, in order to work together effectively in pulling a plow. Pulling a plow through the dirt is heavy work. Today, a farmer can use a two or 300 horsepower tractor to pull a plow that's 18 or 24 feet wide. But in ancient days, a pair of oxen would often pull a single plow back and forth through the field. It was hard work that went on and on. And because of this, the yoke became a symbol of wearisome, of burdensome work. We've seen how the Pharisees and teachers of the law laid a heavy yoke on God's people. They demanded obedience not only to the law of Moses, but also to all their man-made regulations. And if that was not tiresome enough, they taught it was through obedience to the law that a person was received into God's favor. The problem is that as sinful beings, no human can keep the law in this way. And the result was that God's people were not only burdened by the law's restrictions, but also weary because of their inability to live up to its requirements. In contrast, Jesus tells us to take on his yoke. We need to understand clearly that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He did not do away with the righteous standard that God has set for our lives. But Jesus knew we would ever be able to come to God on the basis of our own merits. When Jesus calls us to come to him, he calls us to believe in him. He calls us to take on his yoke. He's calling us to put our trust in him alone. We see this clearly from what Jesus said in John 6, 29. He said, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. And seeing what Jesus said in John 15, verse 4. He said, abide in me. Jesus said these words when explaining how he is a true vine and we are the branches. Branches cannot live apart from the vine. In the same way, our life and our well-being are totally dependent on our connection with Jesus. It's by heeding his call, by believing in him, that we will find rest for our souls. 
Beloved, I want to draw your attention back to a similar call that God issued to his people through the prophet Isaiah. He said, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And a little later, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. It's a call for God's people to come to the Lord, to find their life and their salvation in him. What did God demand of his people in order to share in these blessings? Nothing. Everyone who thirsts was to come to the waters. Everyone could come to receive wine and milk without money, without price. God offered life to his people free of any cost. He offered forgiveness and the pardoning of our sins freely for all who turn to him. God had determined that he would give his mercy and grace to undeserving people. He would give freely from out of his own good pleasure. How would God do that? By sending his dearly loved son into this world to save his people from their sins. And how would Christ accomplish his saving work? Well, we can picture it in this way. What happens is that Jesus offers us the great yoke exchange. In life, we're burdened by our sins and by all the consequences of the fall into sin. Sin and its effects create a deep soul weariness in us. When we try to get through life in our own strength, we're like that ox plowing a field. We're involved in endless, toilsome work. But Jesus was willing to take our yoke on himself. He left behind the glories of heaven to come and dwell among us. He was confronted with the brokenness of life again and again. He was tested and tried. He suffered much due to the waywardness and the unbelief of his own people. And yet Jesus lived a holy life in full obedience to all God's commands. Jesus never strayed. He lived a perfect, a sinless life. He did it so that he would be able to present himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish or spot. And then at the end of his life, Jesus took our yoke on himself. On the cross, Jesus took on the heavy yoke of bearing the penalty that we deserved. He bore for us the wrath of God against all our sins. He did so in order to set us free from the yoke of sin and from the yoke of the law. And now when he calls us to take on his yoke, we see how he can describe that yoke as being easy and light. All Christ asks is that we believe in him. That in faith we accept his atoning sacrifice for all our sins. All he asks is that we abide in him. That we seek our life and well-being in him alone. Brings us to our final point, Christ's rest. What is this rest that Christ promises us? Well, Christ promises rest for our souls. Where does this rest come from? 
It comes from knowing that despite all our weaknesses and sins, our debt is covered by the blood of Christ. He suffered and died to redeem us. He bore the burden of God's wrath that we deserved. Rest for our souls is based on the fact that we have been reconciled with God. By Christ, we've been restored to fellowship with our Father. Based on this foundation, we may live from out of the assurance that God loves us. Our Heavenly Father loved us so much, He gave up His own beloved Son for our sake. Well, if that's true, and it is, then God's love will also flow into the rest of our lives. Paul makes this point beautifully in Romans 8.32 by asking this question. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Basking in the love of God helps us to get through deep soul weariness. Beloved, do you remember time when Paul was faced with this thorn in the flesh? We don't know what it was, but it's clear that it caused Paul much suffering and hardship. He pleaded with the Lord three times to take it from him, but the Lord didn't. Instead, he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. From this, Paul learned to delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For he said, when I am weak, I am strong. It's especially in hardships and struggles that we learn to depend on God for his grace and his strength. Beloved, do you believe God in God's preserving care over you? Is he your refuge, your shelter when you face the storms of life? In Isaiah 43, the Lord assured his people of his nearness and care. He promises, I am with you. And in the same way, our Father has promised to provide and care for us. His care over us is such that not even a hair can fall from our heads without his will. It is true that in this life we will be confronted with sickness and sorrows, with trials and adversities. We live in a sin-stained world. The effects of the fall do not pass us by. But God has promised to sustain us. What ultimately provides rest for our souls is that we have perspective on life. Jesus has promised us a glorious future. A time when we may live in communion with him, in the presence of God, experiencing the joy and the glory of life everlasting. A time when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. When there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. A time when we may rejoice with all the saints in the new Jerusalem. Constantly giving glory to God for all his mighty deeds. That hope, beloved, helps relieve our deep soul weariness. It gives a perspective that all this life's sorrows and struggles, difficult as they may be, are but a light and momentary affliction 
comparison with the eternal glory that awaits us. In all life's discouragement, trouble, and sorrow, Jesus' call is, Come to me. Jesus' call is for all of us and for all people everywhere. We will all face times in life when we're bowed down with life's troubles and sorrows. Many of us will face circumstances when our faith is severely challenged, when we experience weariness in our souls. There's only one way out. By heeding Jesus' call, by taking on his yoke, by believing in him and abiding in all his gracious promises, it is Jesus alone who gives rest for our souls. Come to him and you will share in all his blessings. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from Psalm 27, stanzas 4 and 6. Thank you. 